Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. where intelligent dissonant thought meets melodic euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Catsaurus, broadcasting to you live, as always, from the shadow of Hurricane Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my percussively proficient co-host, calling in all the way from Charm City, Mr. Odell Norman. What's going on, Pondus? What is happening? I know somebody's excited tonight. What are you doing tonight after the show, Odell? I am going to see Joe Gennaro of the Dead Milkmen at the Metro Gallery in Baltimore. So if anybody in the wonderful Charm City is in the area, you should go by uh, and check it out. I believe it's $12 at the door, and he's going to be performing a whole bunch of acoustic stuff, including all the Dead Milkmen stuff as well, too. And how awesome of an interview was that? How great was that to be able to spend an hour with Joe? That was cool. It was really, really cool. And, and and then the fact that he reached out to actually, you know, some of the people after he gave out his, you know, his email information and people emailed him, he actually responded back, which makes it even cooler. Yes, I agree. Totally. Somewhere lurking in the background is our very own Maven Domestic, the one who's making great things happen for the show, Danielle Prizer, our producer. Danielle. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. So you have been toiling today, broke, not maybe broken hand, you'll find out when you get the x-rays back, in tow Eventually. to put us mm-hmm. on a new site where we're going to hopefully be able to link into Spotify and get a lot more exposure. Odell, you don't even know about mm-hmm. this yet. We kind of been saving this until we could get all the kinks worked out. Um, why don't you tell us about where we are headed? Well, we are going to be on Libsyn officially. Um, so if you miss our show here, you'll actually be able to go on the Libsyn app and listen to us anytime there. Um, also, we will have a different archive page that will link up with our Libsyn, and hopefully in the near future, you'll be able to check us out on Spotify when you're on the go, so that'll be awesome. And just to clarify, yep. we won't be getting rid of the old archive page. We're going to host two. No, one not at all. Be, 
Ignorance Equation Radio. That's going to have our mm-hmm. musical osmosis and kettle of fish shows on it because those will be sent right. to Spotify because they're what you call evergreen shows, which means they don't go out of date quickly like a political show we do on Sunday. So you'll be able to resource just musical osmosis from our page or both from the Ignorance Equation radio show page. Mm-hmm. Who do we have coming up okay, on the show? My lovely oh, my producer, a happy, happy with all our new chicks. Yes, we just got chicks. It's chick days at Tractor Supply, and I love chicken. So even though my hand was mashed yesterday really, really bad, I still I had to go get chicken. Uh, okay, so um, tonight, of course, we've got Victoria Release from the Downtown Boys, and that's going to be awesomeness. And we've got Steven Spadola coming up on Ignorance Equation. He's a men's child support advocate. He's going to give us tons of awesome information. Uh, we've got James Maradino from SLC Punk 2 coming on. Uh, then we've got Wendy Starling coming back. Uh, Corey Clark from Warrior Soul is going to talk politics with us soon enough on the Ignorance Equation. We'll have comedian Heidi Heaslip back. Uh, we'll have uh, on Kettle of Fish, we'll have Caleb Simon coming back. And then we've got comedian Rebecca Lieb. Our hundredth episode is coming. Episode is coming up. We'll have, of course, William Sanderson, John Lear, uh, Rachel from King of the Nerds, and a bunch of our other friends. And next Sunday, well, this coming Sunday, from head of the class, an oldie bit of goodie, we are having Dan Frischman on. And also, yep. we're having uh, Mike Bushman is going to come talk politics with. So maybe he can make sense of all this crap that's going on. And Steve Trash, the magician, is coming up soon. I just spoke with oh, um, Sean yeah. Whalen, who was on Lost. Yes. He was just on He's Superstore. Been, like, everything. And uh, if you he don't think also... you know who Sean Whalen is, just look him up. I guarantee you've seen him on at least three or four different things. Yeah, he was on Sunny <laughs> in Philly yeah. this past week, too. And finally, let me give a big and thank Superstore, you. Like last yeah, week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let me give you a big shout-out to our fans. And and unlike Donald Trump's fans, our fans are not poorly educated. Our fans Amen. are highly educated, highly sophisticated, maybe not too sophisticated, because I'm not too sophisticated. But they are definitely the reason we do what we do. We love all the outreach. Please keep sending us messages and um, checking out our page on Facebook. Odell, let's dive in here because we're going to have Victoria on here in about 10 minutes, roughly. Oh, oh. i got to make an announcement, too. Our friend, a friend of the show, Alexander Lee, who has been on our drinking show before, really cool person. I told her I wanted to give a shout-out because her friend, Joey Bell, has gone missing. He is from oh, the no. Las Vegas area. Um, he got into a car accident. His car got totaled. Friday at 9.30 a.m., his phone was found in the car in the impound lot. So he doesn't have his phone. He's disappeared. He was last seen staggering down the street of Ventura Mm. Boulevard, or Ventura and Violence. I guess this is in L.A. She's in Vegas. I guess this is in L.A. Um, And he has been missing since Friday. Everybody is very concerned. His name is Joey Bell. Short description, 5'6", very thin, baggy clothes, shaggy, dirty blonde hair, I'm going to post this picture on the Musical Osmosis and on the um, Ignorance Equation radio page. All the fans can check it out. He kind of looks like the lead singer of Oasis or maybe a little bit like um, John Heater from Napoleon Dynamite when he's not in his Napoleon Dynamite garb. Uh, Everybody is very concerned. I've seen numbers and numbers of posts about this. So please share this picture of Joey Bell. 
let's see if um we can find this guy. My um my thought my opinion is he probably has amnesia if he was in a car accident and seen staggering down mm-hmm. the street. That's the only thing I can yeah. think, right? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking right. too, yeah. All right, fair enough. Yeah. All right, um, I no phone. Yeah, no phone, hasn't contacted anybody, so I'm thinking amnesia. Let's let's get Joey found and home safe. All right, yeah. pulled this article about a month ago. This is the first show, and we probably won't get to this day of music history. I hope that's okay with the fans, but I wanted to bring this up with you, Odell, because I thought this was amazing. Mm-hmm. For the first time in American music history, since they've been tracking this, I think this goes back about 40 years, what is called um, cataloged music, this is music that was released 18 months or more, is outselling right. current music. Wow. That people are, are actually listening. Yes, people are actually downloading and buying. And they can't, of course, track illegal downloads. But they're downloading and buying and buying from the store. There's still some brick-and-mortar stores out there. Older stuff right. that's more than 18 months old and older, more than they are new music. And they also said through this study that this uh, music institute did that now people like songs that have a repetitive chorus that's kind of saying the same thing over and over more than they yeah, like yeah. songs that don't have a repetitive beat and chorus. And that's a little side note, but let's dig in here and talk about this idea that people are kind of digging into older music and kind of not so much into the new stuff that's coming out. Does this surprise you? No, no, not at all. I'm, I mean, uh, and I'm not trying to knock, well, I guess I'm sort of will be knocking the music that's out today, but everything sounds the same in, in, in mainstream music. Um, and that's, and, and, and unfortunately that's due to how the big corporations basically just bought everything out and have the same format. So you can go to any state and it, I could go to Tennessee and I guarantee you, I will find, you know, your mix, whatever station, your one hip hop station, maybe a rock station. And it's all the same format. It's the same structure it's the same repetitive stuff, and there's no creativity. So I can see why. And, and then the fact that people are able to access music so easily now, they are going back. Cause, you know, I've, I've talked to some younger kids, and they're just like, it's, there's nothing really that good. So we go back and listen to the older stuff. You know, I, I think a big thing now is uh, also is that uh, kids are buying records again. They're, yeah. they're buying albums again, and, and that tells you a lot right there as well, that they're looking for something and they're hungry for something, and mainstream media and mainstream music doesn't show that. MTV doesn't even play videos anymore, so we're, we're... So what happens now? I mean, my daughter came up the other day and asked me about some band from like 30 years ago, like The Police. She was like, have you ever heard of The Police? And I was like, are you joking? Like, all yeah. these kids are discovering all these bands, like Led Zeppelin and stuff, 20, 30 years back. And, and they feel like they're discovering it for the first time. And I don't know if parents aren't playing music around their kids like they used to. Because, I mean, my dad used to listen to, like, Smother Brothers and orchestra bands and stuff. Like, stuff I had zero interest in. Actually, I kind of liked the Smother right. Brothers when I was little. But it was stuff that I wasn't grounded in music-wise. So what does it say about these new bands that are coming out that not also can they not get any traction because the let's just face it, the business end of the record industry is a fucking disaster right now. It's horrible. And then, it's absolutely yeah. horrible. 
And then you add to well, this the fact that people are tuning out of anything new and going back 18 months. Well, and that's the that's the crazy thing is that everything is so generic. Everything is, you know, the voice. Everything is American Idol. Everything is uh, America or Brittany Palette. And it's the same washed up, repetitive stuff that people get tired of it. Um, uh, and I... And it's and it's crazy to think you were ta- you mentioned in the in the post you were talking about the repetitive, the fact that people are drawn to that repetitive style of music like they want to hear the, the the thing over and over again. Um, that's what and and I'm not I'm not a I'm not I'm not saying I'm not a fan of her. My kids love her. Um, is is the reason why Taylor Swift is so popular is because if you actually listen to her music, it's it's very like she has the the the, the verse. The chorus, the verse, the chorus, the verse, the chorus, the chorus, the chorus, the chorus, and kids pick it up. My kids picked it, picked up "Shake It Off" at the moment it came out because it was so easy to pick up. So anything that she puts out that has that same format, they they love it because it's 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 easy to pick up. It's repetitive. Um, and it's actually compared to a lot of stuff that's out there right now, it's it's a little more original than the stuff that's actually trying to be like her. So yeah. Um, so people can say what they want about. It. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of her, but I've noticed that just, and you probably noticed that, you know, writing music and being in in the the music process, you see it. And you're like, man, this is a catchy tune, and 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 it's a little different than a lot of the other stuff that you hear because it well, one, it's her, and then two, it's that that repetitive, that catchy nature to it, and um, that's how a lot of the songs, even in the '90s, you know, a lot of the punk songs that we listen to. Um, it has that repetitive, you know, it has that same beat that that dun 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 dun, dun you know, stuff like that. So people really catch on to it, and you, and you just gravitate toward it. But well, I think that's I, where even Stephen had an edge, and you played with us for maybe six months, eight months, filling yeah. in why Papa was going through whatever he was going through. And I think that's mm-hmm. why we had an edge because I feel like we did have catchy stuff. But I also could, like, I, I have such a short attention span. Like, I've got a four-minute attention span, and I'm on to right. the next thing. And I just I got too bored playing the same exact thing over and over again. I always had to mix mm-hmm. stuff up. And I think that artists should push themselves to do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was watching um, – it's funny you mentioned we were talking about this because I was watching an article – or I was watching an interview with Dave Grohl online because he just uh, – it was just some random thing. I had gone online because he had sung a, he had did something with Lionel Richie, but basically right. he did uh, he sang "You Are," which everybody caught everybody by surprise because like why you know how does Dave Grohl know that song? He he likes music. He's a fan of music. He's gonna know that stuff. You know you you're gonna know good music. But he was talking about the toughest thing for him to ever do. Oh, you know what it was? It was his interview sessions. I forgot the gentleman's name. He but he does really good interviews. He does them with actors musicians but it's always in black and white and um it's like him sitting on a chair and then another person sitting on the chair and they just talk and it's um really good i can't remember his name but um every time i see him i I, i'm I'm, like hypnotized and i watch everything i don't care who it is but dave Grohl was mentioning how um the hardest thing to do is write a pop song that's the hardest thing to do he's like to, to write a catchy song he's like you you know sometimes the creative juices just go so nuts that you're like, oh, man, I got this and I got this. And then all of a sudden you hear a song by a particular artist and it's just like straight catchy and you're like, yeah, 
That's really good. I that's don't know so if I agree with that. That seems pretty LCD to me, like lowest common denominator, just to kind of write a whole song around a hook. I don't know if I well, agree you know, you're not, with that. You're not writing, but the thing is, it's not about writing a song around a hook. It's about just making it catchy. Because sometimes people like, a lot of times you get so out there that you even lose where you are. And then he was like, you go and you find yourself listening to, like, the Beatles, and you're like, darn it, that's a catchy song. And it's not around the hook. It's just... Right. I mean, there is something to be said for minimalism, so I definitely agree with that. I mean, you... And that come, us coming from the punk world, I mean, we definitely know about minimalism. Let me hit this last point because I've got to get Victoria in here. Uh, the article, the whole crux of the article was there is a dumbing down of the music industry and a dumbing down of the music for the fans. And that's why they kind of gravitate to the same monotonous, repetitive, dot, 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 four, four measure, dot, dot, dot. And oh, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, yeah, how far good. down? I mean, you're seeing, and I don't want to get political on here, but you're seeing Donald Trump and all the traction he's getting and reality TV, and there is a dumbing down. I mean, I just read an article today, and I had been saying this for four or five years, that that movie Idiocracy is now a democracy, is now a documentary, and actually the guy who wrote it, yeah, one of the Cohen brothers who wrote it was like, I never thought I would see live long enough to see my movie become a documentary. And I was like, I've been so saying true. that for years. So I don't know where to go from here. All right, let's move on to happier thoughts. So today's guest, Victoria Rees, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'm horrible at pronouncing names. But anyways, the first time I saw her, I ran across her on Democracy Now! I'm a fan of the show. Um, Heard the music, was instantly, instantly hooked, Mm -hmm. instantly gravitated towards it. Um, Very powerful stuff. Very important. I'm glad to see us being in our early to mid-40s. I'm glad to see there's kids coming up behind us that are kind of carrying on that banner and doing good work. And, I mean, she's got her SparkMax site up that's doing a lot of great activism work. There's a lot of activism going on and a lot of political and social awareness going on in the music. And this is the kind of thing that keeps me coming back. This and the fans, this is what keeps me on this mic with all the shows that we do, is knowing that there's people behind me still carrying on and i'm not just out here like look at that crazy old fogey talking about you know this injustice or that like that it's easy to get cynical about the apathy of youth but then when you get turned on to a band like the downtown boys it makes you see that there is still people concerned there is still people engaged and that gives you a lot of hope especially for us who has kids right it does it definitely does i know um when you brought them on, when you told me about them, you know, I, I immediately listened and, and downloaded their music. And that's the first thing I caught my eye is that they're so involved in so much activism as well. So it's, they're, they're very aware of their surroundings. And, you know, going back to the conversation we just had a couple, like a minute or so ago, I think the dumbing down of America, um, people forget that. Kids, a lot of kids forget that. So it's a beautiful thing when you go and you and you and you see a band like Downtown Boys doing what they're doing, doing songs, and you know, bilingual. Um, it reminds me of uh, Los Crudos, who, uh, who used to, you yeah. know, if you ever went and saw, saw them, they would give you all of their music in English and they would do all their songs in Spanish. But the beautiful thing about it was, was that I'm reading along to their one-and-a-half-minute songs, and I'm getting a full understanding of everything that they're talking about because I'm going through the same thing or I have the same feeling. And I think... That's really good because a lot of times a band like the Downtown Boys, they don't, you, you know, they're not going to be hitting 
the mainstream because it it is to it 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 is out there and it, it and it is a little as far as like you were talking about the dumbing down of America and mainstream America they don't hit that but like you said I had actually seen them on Democracy Now as well and I just totally was one of the things I was driving to work and listening in on it and and then didn't even think about it too much but. As I started going back and listening, I was like, oh, wait a minute. I, I, yeah, okay, this band, I remember this band. So it's really good, and it, makes me, it does make me feel good because I know a lot of stuff that we yes. listen to and, and, and been a part of is, is something that's really important. And hopefully kids, it, it gives you hope when you realize that there are younger people out there that have just as much interest in, 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 pop, in, in what's going on in this world. Well stated. I'm glad she's on here so we can thank her for what she does. Let's get her in here because she's been waiting patiently. Victoria, how you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. Thank you for calling in. Hey, full disclosure, let me kind of set this up here. Me and Odell, we're in our mid-40s. We played in punk bands growing up. We're from D.C., and I believe you're from the D.C. area, too. Um, I am political. I'm a political animal by nature. We've got a political show on Sunday. I would love to get you on that show because I don't want to get too much into the nuance of politics here on the music show. But I do kind of want to start with this because this is the first thing that struck me. Do you consider yourself to be an activist that just happens to play music, or do you consider yourself to be a musician that's interested in all these movements and all these social and justice-type issues? Um, That's a good question. I think a lot of my activism comes through my ability to participate in um, music spaces and punk spaces as a woman of color, so... I feel like it's a little bit of both, um, and I don't, like, see one over the other. And I see them both as being an activist and being a musician are both tactics and and tools for um, trying to change the status quo. Does one, does one facet have more influence than the other facet? In other words, does activism highly influence how you write, or does your writing highly influence what you're interested in, or, they, or is it a very symbiotic relationship? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I've been an activist for a lot longer than I've been a musician, um, and I've been so I feel like my the music is um, is influenced by the activism, um, and then I'm still learning like a lot about music. So, um, and I feel like I try and use them, but I mean. It really depends on what activism I'm working on and who I'm working on it with and what the um what the parameters are for for whatever project or campaign or show I'm working on are in. Okay, okay, fair enough. You know, um we have Eleanor Goldfield on here from Rooftop Revolutionaries from time to time and she's kind of in that same pocket of activism and expressing it through music. Is, is it hard, like, you get labeled a punk band and people say you're doing this punk thing and it's good to see because I think punk's lot of lost, lost a lot of its political edge over the years. But does that kind of pigeonhole you when people say you're a punk band or does it give you more freedom because there is such a tradi- tradition of activism and social awareness in punk rock? Um, I don't think that it pigeonholes oh, Thank you. I don't think that it pigeonholes us. Um, at all. I mean, I think that um, a lot more people are definitely interested because they were like, they, you know, romanticized parts of punk as being this thing that confronts the status quo. I mean, punk can really mean anything um, that you make it to mean. 
Um, and I don't think that there's a hierarchy in it or that there are these principles that must be followed. Um, and so sometimes when we do get pigeonholed, it's not because of us. It's because of whoever is pigeonholing us. Right, right. I mean, but is that something you feel like you have to combat a lot, or do you feel like it's all pretty natural, like the progression of the band and your message and speaking out and when you're speaking to crowds? Does that feel natural, or does it feel like I've got to kind of force my way in because I'm being labeled as this or this? Um, I feel like it's like fairly natural and like. Um, I feel like it's, like, pretty natural, and I feel like um, we don't really, we're not trying to, like, be a punk uh, band, or we're not trying to live up to anyone's expectations of punk. Are the issues that we're dealing with and what we're trying to do is much more um, about trying to make um, politi- political art that um, gives people something more than before they saw us and tries to push the boundaries of what a lot of punk um, spaces look like, but also just music spaces in general. The spaces are still in the United States when we think of, like, DIY, we think of punk scene, we think of white um, men. Mm -hmm. And so if we can push those spaces and bring in the history, the history which has shown us that, like, historically there's always been people... um, of color and women making music and making punk music all like the history of it's been that way so if we can just like continue in that history um of creating music as um queer people people of color women and women of color then that's that's all we can hope for and you're doing great work and i mean i've been checking you guys out before i move on to what you everything that you're actually involved in. Let me ask you this, because there's so many bands that come out and not even thinking about punk bands exclusively or like underground hip hop bands exclusively. Do you think artists in general have a responsibility to educate and raise social awareness as opposed to just mash churning out catchy pop tunes? Or do you think, hey, this is my thing. This is how I express myself. If like, like Odell was saying, if Taylor Swift wants to, jump around and make a catchy song to move X amount of units, that's fine? Or do you think everybody that has a voice that's going to be paid attention to really has a responsibility to raise whatever their so whatever social awareness they're interested in? Um, that's a good question. I think it's all about intention. So I think that, um, you know, I think, for example, like sometimes big groups of people come together purely for fun, to have fun and to party. Sometimes big groups of people come together to talk about an issue and try and organize around an issue. So this, the action of people coming together isn't necessarily, uh, isn't doesn't determine what the intention is, right? So you go into it with a certain intention, and I think the same is with music. I think it's like if people are playing music in order to just have fun and just do them, then that's I think that that's fine. If you're playing music to say something or... Likewise, if people are saying something about you because of your music, so in the case of Taylor people kind of hold her on a pedestal as this, like, really radical, not radical, but this, like, woman who's working really hard and is a great professional, and it's like she's a super privileged and entitled rich white woman. Like, she's not really, like, trying to push the bounds of the status quo, and we're erasing a lot of women of color and a lot of, People that don't look like Taylor Swift or have the resources of Taylor Swift were reaching yep. a lot of them by not by not 
giving equal attention to other artists, you know? And so, like, I really think that, um, I don't think it's so much on the artists. I think it's, like, we as people who listen to music or play music or are part of a scene of music, we really have to think about the power dynamics that exist everywhere, that exist in the workplace, that exist on the, the street, and, and that exist in the spaces where we're playing music, because it's the same um, power dynamics driven by racism and by capitalism that we're trying to fight where we play music that we try and fight in other aspects of our lives. Wow, that is so true. Um, Let me ask you this one other thing, and I'm going to switch you over to Adele here. Do you feel like your generation, because like I said, we're a generation ahead of you. We're, I guess, considered Gen X. You're a millennial. I know back in the late 80s, early 90s, even though we like, you know, I, I, I was interested in politics and social movements and stuff, but on a very surface, surface, like superficial level, do you feel like your generation coming up because of the internet, because of social media, do you feel like they're a lot more conscious of social movements than we were? Or do you think they're really apathetic because they have so much information, they just tune out? Give me the feel of like your generation. Um, well, I don't, I really don't think I can speak for like the whole generation. I think my read on the situation is that we've always like, since the, I mean, like since like the white Western European colonial project started, uh, the United States, we've had to like battle, um, like systemic power structures. And I think that's happened in every single generation, They've transformed and morphed to look like different things and be called different things, but struggle and resistance have been inherent throughout, you know, history, our human history. Um, And so really it's more about identifying how struggle and resistance looks different right now than it maybe did a generation before. What do the transformations look like? What, What are the power dynamics and how do we resist um, when, when, what you know, how do we need to resist? How have things changed? So I think it's like and that's one thing, I don't really think my generation's more apathetic or less apathetic. And, and you could poll people, you could ask people, you know, if they're voting, if they're going to protest, so on and so forth. I don't think it's so much about us being more or less apathetic. I think it's like what are we doing right now in order to um acknowledge and resist against power structures that started to be created way, way, way before we were even born. So, like, we look at modern-day policing and the militarization of the police, and we look at the killings and the police brutality against people of color by the police. Uh, you can trace back the police to transatlantic slave trade routes where you had slave brigades going out looking for, quote-unquote, runaway slaves. These slave brigades became the seedlings of modern-day policing. You can actually, a lot of even the same weaponry um, looks the same. A lot of the uniforms look the same. The way, um, you know, constable on patrol was, like, literally what patrolmen who were patrolling for, quote-unquote, runaway slaves, like, that's what they were called. So we have to look, I think, at um, at how like at the genealogy of power and how a lot of what we confront and struggle with today started a long time ago and people have been resisting it constantly. Well, I mean, I feel like, and I do not envy your generation. I mean, I don't feel like the stakes, the stakes have never been higher, at least not in the last hundred years as they are now. There's so much work to be done. I just read today that 20% of Trump supporters think the end, that ending slavery was a mistake. 
And Odell, I'll switch this over to you because sometimes <laughs> I feel like I'm boiling over with just the hatred and the ignorance out there. And I try to stay – I don't want to become a nihilist. I don't want to get completely cynical. And that's why what you do, Victoria, I think is so important because you're continuing that tradition of pushing back the powers that would seek to, I feel like, oppress us. And this isn't a power structure that I feel is some Illuminati, seven guys in suits sitting in a room smoking cigars. I just feel like there's so many moving parts, and people have sat back and took it for so long, and now it's exploding through this Trump thing. But all of their anger and hate is misdirected. And like I said, I don't want to get super political. Before I start ranting, let me give it over to Adele. Go ahead. I know I threw a lot at you. <laughs> but no, no. Um, just going off of what you're talking about, uh, policing, I've I, I been through it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person of color myself. So, um, you know, being stereotyped, especially. And Nick Baltimore. You, in Baltimore, um, Nick, Nick and I. Remember in D.C. I mean, I've been frisked in front of my mom, um, so it's it's something that really touches. It really it it really hits home with me. But I know, just going back to the band aspect, you guys are have a very diverse sound. Um, like I was mentioning to Nick, I love the fact that you guys do. You know, you sing in both Spanish and in English. Um, it took it, as soon as I heard that, I was telling Nick it took me back to the, the you know going to see Los Crudos and. Uh, and, and pulling out those albums and things of that of that sort, but how did you guys come and, and come to that sound with like the horns and, and and just the dynamic structure that you guys have? Yeah, um, so I think our band. So actually, Joey De Francesco, who's the guitarist and vocalist, he founded the band. I actually wasn't in the first version of the band. I was just like the number one fan. Um, and then I, yeah, and I was really into the band and they had played like maybe three or four shows and I asked Joey if he would help me start a band and he was like, you should just join this one. And that's actually when I joined it. Um, and at the time that I joined, all the songs were in English and they had written maybe five or six songs. So he and I put like half of the songs, we put them in a, I put them in a Spanish, translated them in a Spanish and messed with the up a little bit, um, and now we write, you know, the, we write bilingually. Um, but so, and it came out of um, his uh, experiences of working at this hotel that we both actually worked at. We were involved in an organizing campaign there, a union campaign there. Okay. So the okay. first uh, round of songs were very influenced by that, and then they were also influenced just by Providence being this very um, poor city and a lot of. Um, a lot of just like institutional power uh, dynamics in Providence being this old mill town. And so um, we had a couple of songs on that. So um, that's kind of where the, the seat, it was always political nature. And then the saxophones, um, he and the, the first members of the band, a bunch of them were in this other brass band called What Cheer. And I think they really love mm-hmm. horns and were very inspired by, um, by like Bruce Springsteen and you know you have Clarence Clemens on the saxophone, um, yeah. and we're really inspired by a lot of music that isn't um, just you know your traditional like garage punk type bands. So I think um, we I, that definitely inspired like the makeup of it and sound. And then um, you know we're called punk, but it's funny because um, if you listen to it, it's not. It's not like straight garage punk, actually, and there's no, like a no, lot of different types of rhythms and stuff. So, like, I remember one of our very, very first songs was called Big Cop, 
And there's a rip in there that's like the main riff in the song, and it's um, Debussy, like the classical composer. It's just a rip off of that song. So it's wow. like really funny because, yeah, a lot of it's like, oh my God. And, uh, so, well, I, yeah, I, I, so I saw the Bruce Springsteen yeah. in, in Florida because I, 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 I love the Dancing in the Dark cover, so I was like, ah, okay, somebody, yeah. you know. Like but Victoria makes thing. a good point, though, right? <laughs> because punk is more of an attitude. I mean, I have a punk rock Abe Lincoln on my leg because the founding fathers had punk rock attitude. So it doesn't – I mean, I remember the first time I heard the Coop, they were on um, Fat Records or Epitaph, one of the punk labels. And it's like because punk is more of an attitude. And you guys had a punk attitude, and everything that comes afterwards just kind of follows suit in the, in that spirit. Right, Victoria? Um. Yeah, I mean – I think that the attitude I I I'm you know really happy that you would consider us to have that attitude and I think like there are a lot of people believe it or not who think we we are like wannabes of that attitude and we don't oh, actually man. we don't no, actually not at all. no no, no. You know? <laughs> and, there, and there are a lot of people who think we have like you know like bilingual like Latin American attitude like and I'm really open to people being like if basically like if if you think that like my our attitude, my attitude can get down with yours, and you want to like, you know, support our band or be together in this, like that's what I'm really into. Like I'm just really into trying to create like a new type of music, and I think we all are. Like I think like we really want like the new attitude. Um, and like it's funny sometimes I call like our music like. Like, there's the last color in the rainbow is purple, and people say that, like, kind of a combination of, you know, all the colors in the rainbow that you see, and it, and purple is kind of this, like, mix of all of them, and sometimes you see it, and sometimes you don't in the rainbow, and, like, I kind of, I want, like, I think ours is, like, purple, purple music, that's what I call it, so, <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I think it's just, like, trying to figure it out, and, and, and just let people know we're really not trying to, like, live up to anything, we're really just about, like, learning and trying to work really hard and trying to make people feel in, involved and included and to break like the alienation that a lot of us feel. That's amazing. And, and let me real quick, Odell, let me get back to your point you made about singing in Spanish and English. Cause I was thinking about this when I was listening to full communism, which is the album. Um, you know, we live in a country that's so ethnocentric. I actually know people who get pissed off. They have to press one for English. Which is ridiculous. Like, if that's the worst problem you have today, consider yourself lucky. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when you when you're putting out music like this and you're singing in English and you're singing in Spanish, is there a pushback because so many people are entitled and they're like, we shouldn't have oh, to yeah. learn. I mean, that's one of the lists on the Trump thing. It's like I'm an American. I don't want to learn another language. Well, you're in the minority because most of the world knows two, three, four languages. So you saying I want to be yeah. dumber, I want to dumb myself down. This isn't a exactly. rallying cry. This isn't a Claritin call for me to fucking jump behind you, pal. This is actually more dumbing down, and it kind of makes you look ridiculous when you bitch about having to push one for English, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think that has so much to do with this entitlement um, that's like kind of, you know, entitlement's just this huge pillar of white supremacy. And I mean, I think what's really scary about the Trump supporters is Trump's only been running for president for a year or so. So all of these people have felt these things and thought this way long before President Trump was ever oh, yeah. uh, a possibility. Yeah. And I think that that's also, like, 
that's one thing. When people ask me about Trump, I'm like, all those people, like, literally were alive, like, before he decided to run for president. So, like, they've been thinking these things and feeling this way. We just now have, like, a word to apply to their ideology, their white supremacist ideology. Um, but I think that, like, going back to the Spanish industry, I mean, I think that, like, there's also this thing, too, where, like, so much of our country does speak Spanish, like, so many people who aren't even of Latino descent speak Spanish, actually. So, like, there's also just masses of people that speak Spanish. So, like, it's, like, interesting because to me, I'm, like, cause, like, some people, they're just, like, they just take it for granted that I'm singing in Spanish. Like, it's not even a big deal to them because it's just, like, yeah, okay, like, you're, like, I'm bilingual, too. And then some people are super condescending about it, and they're kind of, like, oh, can you, like, send me the, like, words in English? And I'm kind of like, okay, like, the song is called Monstro. Like, clearly that means monster. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like, I don't yeah. know. It's just like, come on, dude. Like, there's this thing called Google Translate. Like, it's really easy to pop the lyrics in there. Like, and you'll, like, also, like, most songs that I hear in English, I can't understand the words anyways. So it's like, how important, like, like, I, like, and that's hard for me, too, because people do, like, they hear the Spanish and they just, like, shut down. And I'm like, okay, I could sing all these words in English and you wouldn't be able to make them out because I'm shouting them and you can't really hear what I'm saying anyways. So, like, why are you shutting down? You know what I mean? And, like, just, like, the press one thing. It's, like, pressing one literally does not take away any of your power. You still have the same power you went into before you had to press one. So, like, it's not an issue, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It, it's ridiculous. I wish I was still in a punk band. I'd write a song called Press One for English because I could have ran about that for like three <laughs> three solid minutes. Odell, I remember when Dave Mustang wrote a song and sang it in Spanish like 20, my God, this might have been even in the 80s. And everybody was acting like he won the Olympics or something. They're like, you're so brave and you're so creative. You sung a song in Spanish. I mean, this is oh, kind yeah. of a ridic- ridiculous, like, litmus test for patriotism. Like, well, I, well, I at- only want it in English, my menu in English. Like, this, yeah. this is far beyond, look, right? Look how, look how when, uh, I forgot what commercial or whatever, I forgot what it was, but you remember they did the, the Star Spangled Banish, in, uh, Star Spangled Banish in Spanish, the Star Spangled Banner in Spanish. And people, oh my gosh, that was the number, that was like a headline story. It was like, yeah. how dare they, how dare they do that? I'm like, really? It's still being said. the The meaning of the, of of it is still the same. <laughs> Nothing changed. It's it's the same song. Calm down. And um, no, I, boy, I, we're gonna I, get I, some yeah, hate I, mail for this episode. Oh, I, oh, I know. And, and I but mean, you know, I don't know. I, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, go, no, ahead, sorry, go ahead. No, no, please finish. Definitely. Go ahead, Odell. I'm not talking. Oh, no, no, go ahead, Odell. No, no, it, just going back to what you were saying, Victoria, about, you know, how I, I being being African-American, I always people just, you know, a lot of my friends, most of my, I would say a good portion of my friends are, are Caucasian, and then I have some, you know, uh, my best friend is uh, Caucasian, and then my other best friend is Puerto Rican, so uh, I get questions all the time just out of curiosity, and people always used to ask me, do you think racism, this is well back in the day. But do you think racism is dead? And I was like, no, it's not dead. It's just it's it's more civilized now. That there's there's uh, laws that you can't just go out and blatantly say what you want to say, you know. But it's more civilized, and and and, and I know in today's time, especially since 2008 when President Obama took over, 
you could, it really it started rearing its head, head again. Um, how do you feel about just the the fact that there are there are different code words, there are different names for different things now, and the fact that yes, great people point. Hide, hide, yeah, people hide behind you know uh, the you know the Constitution um, on that. How does how does that make you feel? How does that I know it, it go into your writing as far as like lyrics and things of that nature? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's thank you for like bringing that up, um, Adele. And like, also, I mean, I I think it's so good that you did bring that up. And and I was gonna add like, you telling me that you've been stopped and frisked in front of your mom is like way more relevant and way more violent and important to me than Donald Trump is. Like, right? You know what I mean? Like, it actually right, is right. because like that's how Donald Trump gets to happen. And so like, and so going going on with this, like, along with this question about the new codes, I think that that's so important to think about. Like, we think about President Obama. He deported more Latino immigrants than any other president in all yeah, of Yeah, they history. used to call him the deporter-in-chief. Yeah. yeah. He, and yeah. he still is. I mean, he's, and so, like, he's deported more Latinos than any other president, including George Bush, which, who I absolutely despise. Um, and then also, like, under Obama's administration we have more people incarcerated or on probation or parole than we had in as slaves in the trans during the transatlantic slave trade um and that's mm-hmm. a that's a statistic that comes out of michelle alexander's the new jim crow so i yeah. think that the codes and the new language are actually um how institutions are being used in order to promote racism through prisons through um deportation through the erasure of um, people of color who have mental health issues who end up in the criminal justice system, people becoming mm-hmm. criminals over people who have mental health issues, and there was literally no nothing else for them. So, like, I think that that's how we're seeing it, and it's a new it's a new code, and the language isn't. The other day, you know, I got into a fight at a show because the artist kept there. Um, there's an artist named Shushu, and he has a song where he just talks about black dick, brown pussy. And I was like, why do you need to say these things over? He just repeats this over and over again in the song. It's, it's pretty bad. And I'm just yeah. running him about it. And one of his fans is like, oh, come on. Like, he's, he he didn't say anything racist. It's not like he said the N-word. And I'm looking I at him here. I'm like, no. the N-word is still, like, the baseline for you? Like, are you for real, you know? <laughs> and so I think part of it is that, like, honestly, we're not putting enough of a demand on our friends who don't get it, like, to get to try and get it. And, like, people asking you, is racism gone? Like, I'm sorry, but, like, that's just, like, you as, like, an, an African-American, like, we shouldn't have to answer that. People ask me that all the time, too, and I'm kind of like mm-hmm. – uh, like there are millions of people in prison, like most of whom are there. The rate, considering our population, there's a higher rate of people of color in prison. Like you, you tell me if racism still exists. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, you yep. answer the question for me, and that's what that's what I think is interesting about this new language and these new codes is that people, um, yeah, people. I I think that it gets us into this sort of neoliberalism that um, is 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 scary and my generation has to deal with. Um, it's really scary. In, it is a, in new ways. It's really scary. Yeah. And that's what pisses me off the worst is this idea that 
out of this whole scenario, this idea, I could say whatever I want, and it's cloaked, and I'm fighting the powers of political correctness. Don't hold me down with your political correctness. So I could be as nasty and as mean as and combative as I want, all cloaked in this, I'm fighting political correctness and stuff that was not acceptable. And I'm not talking the government saying it's not acceptable. I'm saying we were checking each other. Like, this mm-hmm. this is not acceptable to treat people this way. Now it's being cloaked in, well, hey, man, I'm just fighting political correctness, tr- you know, Trump 2016. And I just think it's a totally bullshit shield to hide behind, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. I mean, it's – you also have, like – yeah, I mean, I think so, too. I think that the president – this presidential election is, like – um. I don't know. It's sort of like a really good movie that's making us procrastinate because we're not asking, like, we're not asking a lot of questions. We're just mad at either the answers that the Republican Party are throwing out or we're mad that the answers that Bernie Sanders are throwing out might be good enough, but he's not going to win. So, like, you know, like, I think, I don't know, we're not, I think it's like a procrastination tool, to be really honest, because, like, well, I hope not. Yeah. All right, let me shift gears here because we've only got a few minutes left, and there's a couple points I wanted to hit. Um, you guys have been getting all kinds of praise. Rolling Stone said you're the most exciting oh, yeah. punk fan um, of 2015. You're the sound of punk in America 2015. Um, uh, Hartford paper had said, does this put like pressure on you guys to always up your game and keep pushing forward? Or do you not even pay attention to stuff like that? Are you just doing your thing and you don't even worry about what anybody surrounding you is saying as far as critics or reviewers and stuff? Yeah, and that's a good question. I mean, for every good review, there's also a critic, just so everyone, just so everyone knows. Um, but I don't think, I mean, for us, we of course it's, like, really exciting when, like, your family members are really excited to see you, like, in Rolling Stone or your friends who are kind of, like, you know, wondering why the hell you're in a punk band when you're like 29, like, yeah, and they're kind of like, oh, this is what you, this is what you've been up to, you know. So that part of it's cool, like just kind of the personal, really personal level. And then what it does do is it does get our, um, like, we've just had a lot of people come to our shows that would not have come if they didn't see the articles. Um, and do so, you like, feel like they're there for the wrong reason, yeah. though? That it's not pure, or do you not care how you get people no. in the door? Um, the people who end up coming to the door are only, like, really excited. So they'll be like, oh, like, I, you know, I saw you guys in Democracy Now. Like, I didn't know you existed. Like, I'm so, I've been trying to find political music. Like, I'm really happy. Mm-hmm. And, like, I look at a lot of people of color who saw us through something and are like, oh, my, you know, and they, they're they like, I wouldn't have come to this show otherwise and stuff. Wow. So the people awesome. who actually show up are, like, actually supportive because, like, who's going to pay the money to get into the door? Like, not a hater, you know? So, um, so yeah, so that part of it's been really cool because we definitely, like, are reaching people we couldn't have reached otherwise. Good. Awesome. Um, right. Let me hit this real quick because I want to talk about Spark Mag. I was on there today looking at what you guys are doing. I think it's so important. It's so relevant. The stuff on there, I never understand, like – why it's even a right-left issue. If you put something on here to protect net neutrality or you've got a campaign on here to stop warrantless email spying, 
I don't understand why <laughs> these things, these concerns get broken down and all oh, liberal conservative. But you're doing great work over there. Can you tell the fans exactly what's going on over there at Spark Mag and how they can get involved? Because I really think this is important. Yeah, I mean, what's funny, so Demand Progress is an organization that, um, like like you said, fights for civil liberties and fights for freedom, um, our freedom uh, digitally, but because that super relates to our freedom physically. So they're an organization that really, really strives to show the connections between you know, the police state on the physical ground and the police state on the Internet um, and believe in um, that we should have the freedom to have a, a very live discourse and participate in it. And I think that Demand Progress, it's interesting, if you look at a lot of the supporters of Demand Progress, it's one of the few political spaces I've been a part of where you actually do get, like, libertarians, Republicans, Democrats, anarchists, Green Party members. Wow. Everyone who just right. like, really doesn't like surveillance. And that kind of hits on a lot of people. And what Demand Progress has done in a really beautiful way is they've pushed the radical rhetoric. They've been like, all right, if you don't like surveillance, if you don't think, you know, if you're a libertarian and you don't like surveillance of your phone, well, guess what? Like, this is related to Chelsea Manning being in prison for 20, you know, for, for decades. And so we're going to relate these two for you. And they do really amazing work at at relating issues that tend to only be like on the ultra left, relating them in a very general way. Spark Mag is the cultural wing of Demand Progress and was founded by David Siegel, the current director of uh, Demand Progress, and Joey DiFrancesco, our guitar player and vocalist in downtown voice. Um, and I was one of the like co, they were the founders and I was like kind of helping out along the way and, um, and you know, one of the writers and, and curators of the site. Um, but what we were thinking is let's just start, like, if you look at the aesthetic of the site and if you look at the articles, we are not, like, we're not out there being like, this is an anarchist media site. We're not out there putting a lot of traditional leftist imagery. It's a very, like, Mm -hmm. classy, just sort of bottom baseline website. What we did is we start with a baseline that's much higher than um, other media. So we already assume that we live in a political world and we go from there. So we're not asking artists, oh, why do you like to be political? Or do you consider yourself political? We're not asking artists those questions. We're flat out just interviewing them, assuming that the world is political and that we know that. And so we wanted to strive for something that was much more about how culture informs um, informs the status quo. So if you look, we interview white artists, we interview POC artists, we interview, you know, all different kinds of people, and that was, like, really important to us. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of sparking. Well, you guys are doing amazing work out of, out of there, and I want to thank you for what you do. Odell, I'll let you bring us yeah. home. No, no, I was pretty cool. I went on, I went on on Spark Mag this uh, this morning, and I saw uh, Screaming Females, and that was one of the bands that I was telling Nick about when we first started doing yes. the show again. I was like, you got to check out this band, Screaming Females. So I was like, oh, look at this, this is so cool. But no, um, my last thing is is is, is your videos um, uh, are excellent. By the way, I don't know if it's the same person that does all the videos, but uh, Wave of History is easily my favorite video right now i've I've shown it to my wife shown it to my seven year my six-year-old son because he's doing stuff on um on black history and things of that nature i was was like and i noticed everything about your videos gives a lesson um 
it, I know, is that the intent um, or is that is that the message you're trying to give? Not, you're not necessarily, like, really throwing it down people's faces, but there is a message behind all the videos um, that I've seen from you guys, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely a message, and we knew that with a video we could control it, but we figured, all right, people are already going to get to see cool pictures of us or see cool images of us, like, via other route. So, like, since this is our space, let's make sure it's something that, that one, we're, we're not going to be able to get to the public in the same way because we don't have full curation over it. And then, two, mm-hmm. something that pushes our lyrics and what we say between songs that pushes a lot of that um, through, through a video that you can go to again and again. So that was definitely the intent of it, and I'm just so glad that you showed it to your son, and um, that's the exact reason that we have it. Yeah, it's really awesome. It's great. All righty. Victoria, I want to thank you so much for calling in today. It was awesome and enlightening. Thank you so much. Please tell everybody where they can find you out there on the interwebs. Um, Yeah, you can go to um, downtownboys.net, or you can find us on downtownboysmusic um, at gmail.com is our email. You can go on Facebook, downtownboys, on Twitter at downtownboys. All righty. Thank you again. Um, We're going to play some future police. To take us out. Thanks, Victoria. Okay. Thank, thank you, Victoria. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Future police. Future police. Future police. Ah!